think we're gone. We're gone. Sweet. Um, <coughs> what a what a thrilling start. Mm-hmm. I don't have the thing pulled up to read it, and I don't have it memorized, so <laughs> sorry, folks. <laughs> I have it here. You have it? Yeah. Read it. And I haven't got to read it yet. Okay. It. Christians are being deformed into anxious, joyless, untethered people by following unbiblical cultural rituals. Thankfully, we have a rich heritage of sacred practices that shape individuals, families, and churches into fully formed worshipers so we can glorify God and enjoy him forever as we live life in the liturgy. That was fun. I liked, I liked being able to read that. I like, I like. It. For some reason, I can't memorize it. Um, if, 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 if we had a little bit more of a regular cadence, I think I probably already would have it memorized. Right. Right. Yep. Um, Speaking of which, it's been a minute. <laughs> I at least had, didn't do nothing in between. Right. Last time. This right. Time. Right. Yeah. And on that, thanks for, uh, encouragement from i gotten feedback uh online and in person from different people listening to those hymn breakdowns which are super fun to make and kind of right up my alley that was that was a jerk idea again too yeah peel back the curtain a little bit basically it was probably it was probably like a like a thursday morning i'm just pulling this <laughs> out of my head maybe it was a thursday morning I texted you. I said, "Hey, think about this." Basically, spelling out the idea of what he did. Are you hearing that? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's probably iPhone juice. Could there. be also. Um, spelling this out, he's like, "Oh, yes, great." And by like Friday afternoon, it was already <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do a fair. I mean, I'm not like the most knowledgeable about that stuff, but I have a fair amount of general knowledge. I try not to go into Especially hymns, like I try and know a little bit of what's going on. So that was, uh, it's it's not too difficult. I love I love researching them. So pretty cool. Um, good it, feedback. It, yeah, and it's it, it's perfect. It because all right, this is this is gonna be a bigger idea. <clears throat> so um, I am become I'm growing more and more fond of. <laughs> Re, uh, re-listening to, re-watching, just re-engaging with explicitly, um, just good content. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. so I, one of the first things that kind of got this idea going is listening to guys talking about, you know, how you, how on earth you're going to filter through all the content that's available through a streaming platform like Netflix and mm. Disney Plus and all this stuff and it's like th- there's there's stuff coming out every single week yeah it in in that's just movies like there's shows that there's 100 different shows that are launching new episodes weekly right and so it's like how 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 are you possibly filtering through all this stuff to know what's good to be engaging with and just bringing up the idea of hey when we were kids <laughs> You had the VHS or the DVD, huh. and there's so many movies that I've watched hundreds, yeah, yeah. hundreds of times, yeah. right? Like, there's there's a few of them that, you know, we've got the DVD player in the minivan, kids will watch it, and, you know, I'm driving, but I can hear what's going on. It's like, I can I can watch the movie oh, in my yeah. head, because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Yeah, so like, like the Lion King memorized. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. right. Yeah. So it's like, but... 
<clears throat> these guys are just talking about how like do that right find find these good storylines so like Toy Story it's a great one there's mm-hmm. tons of tons of good stuff to pull out of this storyline and it's like let let that be on like I mean I haven't, I haven't actually done this yet like created a, a master list of like hey kids you want to watch something don't don't pull up the stupid YouTube channel of yeah. the kids playing with the Barbies and whatever. Like, pick pick from the list. <laughs> yeah, right? watch one of those for the seven hundredth time. Mm-hmm. Um, so now circling that back into this, even prior to so kind of what you've done with these two hymns that you've already kind of dissected. Um, it's like. I've already had that experience of doing that myself in in the gathering, yeah. With these certain songs, songs, you know, go, going line by line, you know, when when this line comes up, it's like, you know, the the amount of depth that this you know one line of this song can have because it's 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 so rehearsed and you know what 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 the imagination can do yeah. when you are seeing something there's it, it's I think there's probably something unique that can happen maybe the first time you're engaging with something but there's now something else that can happen when it's something we are more familiar with and and when you don't have to do that kind of initial initial um, step of like Okay, I have to I have to take this in and 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 um, kind of do this initial deciphering of what yeah. this means, and so sure that can hit you in a unique way, but there's there's something else that happens when these are words I know and these are this is this is truth that I I know and 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 I'm rehearsing it now, um, yeah, and and the way that that can capture the affections is um pretty remarkable yeah oh yeah for sure man i totally agree and you know i'm always i'm always looking for more time like it never feels like there's enough time on a sunday morning to Mm. obviously i can't do a half an hour worth of right this is what this song means right you know so you usually have to pick out one like this sunday we were saying come thou fount which is very familiar to him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just highlighted at the beginning of the service, like, Hey, you know, your, your heart is like an instrument and either through neglect or, uh, abuse or, uh, over, overuse instruments just fall out of tune. Mm-hmm. And, um, so God calls you in. The beauty is God calls you in out of tune and he, to, to tune you back to his grace. And even, even you could have been tuning to the wrong pitch all week to mm-hmm. to the tune of works, whatever, you know, just, just drawing that implication out. But that's to the detriment of not explaining Ebenezer or whatever else. You sure. Know? Um, and so it's nice to have at least something to point to and kind of, kind of get that out of my system. But also, you know, a, a lot of people, mostly right now, our audience is, is a lot from, from our own church body. So it's, it's good to know that at least some of them have heard this stuff. So mm-hmm. next time they're singing it, they can, um, not just have more information floating in their head, but hopefully their affections are certain. Like you're saying, like, oh yeah, I remember 
the story why this was written and what's supposed to what it's meant to be doing and um yeah fuel their i like that fuel their imagination and, and worship and i mean I, I i feel like that is that's the that's the difference <laughs> the mm-hmm. di- the difference is what is what is happening in your head <laughs> As you're singing these words, yeah, I could be singing these words and be thinking about like whatever, yeah, something completely differently, yeah. But but the the um, right the the level to which I am actually engaging with this thing and and the <laughs> yeah the imagery that's happening as as I'm reciting these words, yeah. Um, that's nine day, <laughs> yeah. And there's so much going on and. Music is this crazy thing where there's there's so many things happening at once. You have this, you have the music, you have the melody, you have the lyrics, you have the 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 meaning of the lyrics, and then if you go levels into that, you have the history of the song, and you have the person who wrote it, and you have the there's so many things happening at once, and so um, I think that's a piece of why my music is so powerful, um, and so it is just kind of good to be able to kind of. I think have that, that background information, especially about stuff that's un- more unfamiliar to us or not, not maybe instantly um, palatable, you know, to sure. be able to say, well, how, how, how am I supposed to be approaching this or yeah. So, um, right. And even, I mean, so it, it gets to like when we read the Psalms, um, the, few of them are written with language that um mm-hmm. you know i'm thinking about my kids right now few of them are written in language where you know my kids can can hear that or read that and like immediately know what the heck they're that is talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. um that that language is is it's it's not shallow (laughs) right it's not weak um it's not it's not written in a way that is um simple to understand and comprehend right you know so like the thing i do with them is i'll i'll read something and i'll ask them okay what did you hear right oh what did you what did what did you hear which 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 words stuck out to you Mm. or you know like they'll have questions about certain things and it's like okay great like let's figure out that line period Mm -hmm. you know there's you're so far away from grasping this whole thing like yeah what what did you hear what did catch your attention what words did you understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) right yeah yeah and so and even psalm singing is 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 a a great example uh, because the Psalms are meant to be sung. So um, it, it's one thing to read them, which is great. You should be reading the Psalms and you should be even digesting them as poetry or prayers. And then once you understand that, you start to see, well, okay, so when God is saying, for example, I guess we just sang Psalm 100. We've been singing Psalm 100 the past couple of weeks. It, 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 it has singing it adds a layer of meaning. Right. So I think it's been said like, he who sings prays twice. It's like this this added, <laughs> it's it's almost intangible what, what's happening to it. But as soon as I start, if I say, we are, the, you know, uh, he, he like the Lord is my shepherd or something like that, or we're the flock of his fold. It's like, it's it, you can read it and it's kind of, it it's like, well, but when you start singing it, you start to see, oh no, 
I'm singing this, so it's it's obviously some sort of analogy for something. And then your mind and your heart are kind of taken up into the analogy and saying, oh, what would it, what does it mean that God is my shepherd and that I'm a sheep and that I'm in his hand and he, whatever. So music does that uniquely to even just reading, praying, or recognizing something as poetry. It has It takes you to that place of drawing the meaning out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Cool. All right. Well, Neat. enough of that. Yep. Um, <coughs> covenant renewal. Mm. So this is, um, this is an idea that I would say we have, we have grown into, mm-hmm. um, you know, over the past, I don't know, five years. I've, I'm like, sure. Yeah. I'm not the best with, I would say in time. our church. I mean, I think we've, I think we've used that language from the beginning, yes. but it hasn't yes. been like, you know, put that on the website, yeah. <laughs> like the, you know, so, yep. so I think, I think the thing that has happened in the past, maybe it's three years, I don't know, is, so as we were kind of laying some stuff out, we had this interesting um, debate of kind of the hierarchy. Yeah. And so we've, since day one, we've been, liturgical and like you said since day one we would say like we we would use the language of covenant renewal Mm -hmm. however we're kind of laying out here is um that piece comes first yes we are liturgical because of the covenantal nature of what we're doing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so take it away (laughs) yeah yeah so let me think here well, I think a piece of it too is we have to start. I think Christians need to get better at this in general, and we need to get better at this in general. We don't look at enough of our life, just our even our own personal life, and say, "What does God have to say about this?" Sure. Or, 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 um, or just starting with God, like going back to first principles, if you will. And so, um how much more important is that to do in in worship? Absolutely. Okay, so in our introductory statement, we claim that through a rich heritage of sacred practices, we can go from being deformed individuals into fully formed individuals, families, and churches. So one of the primary, if not the absolute primary, of the ancient practices would be the gathered worship of the church. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that we say is that Christians are becoming untethered people. So that untetheredness is linked closely with that rich heritage piece. Our culture, so think of it this way, like our culture today is really desperately trying to detach itself and untether itself from history. And so the problem is for, for Christians is that if we do that enough and if we kind of latch ourselves onto that, that cultural ritual and that cultural practice is that... <laughs> Well, we believe in a historical Jesus who actually lived, who was oh, yeah. truly God, truly man, who actually died, and who actually rose again. So, if we start, if we just start throwing things out uh, and say, and just kind of chalking it up to that's, you know, people say, whether that's like a patriarchal idea or a hierarchical idea, or I want to be on the right side of history kind of thing. So let's throw all the. We could very easily, and you, and we see this in modern, um, quote unquote you know, liberal 
theologians on TikTok, you know, giving you little sound bites. And it's, most of them are drifting into this. Jesus, you know, it's worse than C.S. Lewis said. Like, it's, it's, it's not even that we just think that Jesus was a good teacher or that Jesus was a good man. We're actually starting to lose tetheredness to the fact that Jesus was even a real man. <laughs> yeah. And so that, those are the kind of things that, that are at stake in that. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, so first you, that right there, th- that is, that's present everywhere yeah. that that's present in, um, in just every corner of modern life because of the, the rapid, um, rate of, of advancing technology. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know if this is last week or whatever, the Justin and the other guys are talking about um, uh, birth control, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how forms of that have completely changed, upended the um, what is what is possible yep. as far as st- structure of society, <laughs> right? Um, because because now procreation is separated from yes. the act of sex that now like the, the one of the bedrocks of of all human civilization is now completely upended sure right and and i and i think that similar thing has happened all over the place with how we work with mm. how we eat um, mm. with, with, with literally how we spend all of our time and all of that has happened like realistically, let's call it a hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. So, so a, a blip on the map yeah. compared to if, if we're looking at, you know, 6,000 years <laughs> sure. of, of for the most part stuff looking really, 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 really similar. Yeah. So it's, so what you're saying is like, if we want to, if we, if we're asking the question of what is fundamentally, what is the most fundamental reality and what is fundamentally true? Mm -hmm. If we, if we only look at that through a 21st century, modern technological mindset, we're going to go all sorts of different directions because, 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 it, tons if your if your basis for truth necessitates some sort of technological advancement that d- would that would be separate from historical people right 200 years ago 500 years ago 2000 years ago and right. it wouldn't be true for them that means it's not fundamentally true or accurate you have to right. go back to again yeah the yeah. beginning essentially right right we, we we have we have in in many many great ways but also many many horrible ways We've really messed with human life. Yeah, for sure. Point blank. <laughs> yeah, and so, okay, bringing this back to covenant renewal um, and worship, I would say that we want to, we want to, as best as we can, again, get back to what does God require? Mm-hmm. What does God want? We want to start with God, okay? And so um, the question is... Um, how does the question that I think every church especially needs to be asking itself is how does God relate to human beings and come to terms with the fact that there might be, or there actually is a singular fundamental way that he relates to human beings. Yep. Okay. And so 
I know that I know that covenant renewal does not sound flashy. <laughs> it's not very marketable. Mm. Um, it doesn't sound very uh, palatable to our modern interpretation. Um, but I think that's the thing. And so, um, to set set this, well, you have your Bible open. Keep so going. Keep going. Keep going. I, and when I see a Bible, I'm like, well, what do I have to say? <laughs> Which is good. Okay. So, let me, knowing that that's not palatable, I want to bring this down to the everyday person level in terms of is there a fundamental way that God relates to human beings? So, let's use this analogy. This analogy is not original to me, but I heard it and it, it stuck with me. So, let's say you're married. You are married. I'm married. Part of being in a healthy marriage is knowing your spouse's likes and dislikes, Mm -hmm. their preferences. There are certain ways that they like to be related to, naturally or by nurture of the way that they grew up. This is why we call these things relationships. It's an unfolding process of learning how to relate to someone else and exist in some sort of functional and thriving state with that person. So now let's say that your spouse really loves avocado toast for breakfast. To love that spouse well during breakfast time, it would mean to make him or her avocado toast. But it just so happens that you hate avocado toast. In fact, you don't even really like breakfast at all. So if you're going to eat breakfast, you'd probably enjoy pancakes. That's your preference. So if you make your spouse pancakes when they really desire avocado toast, are you really loving your spouse? Mm. Are you functioning within the revealed quote-unquote, will of the mm-hmm. other person that they have made no- known to you. Mm. No, you are ultimately serving yourself in this scenario. Mm-hmm. You know what the other person desires, but it is your preferences that ultimately win out. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> admittedly a silly example. Yeah. Okay. And it breaks down. But if that's true of human beings, that we have certain preferences mm-hmm. and ways that we like to be approached and loved and related to, um, how much more true of that is that of God? That God not only has his preferences, mm-hmm. but actually has commands and decrees, right? So our preferences can kind of come and go. We're, we're liable to change. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a lot hinges upon what God says and what he prefers, actually, whatever he, whatever he says goes in, in, in one sense. So whatever the avocado toast is to God is is what we should be searching for. And we're saying that there is a way that God has chosen to relate to us and us back to him. And we need to sort of discover what that is. And we're saying that the answer is covenant renewal or covenant, I should say. Thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And here's what's even was here, here's what's even better news about that. So... <clears throat> I feel like people have a, um, I feel like it's not uncommon to have a, a decent grasp on that, that kind of toast metaphor, right? Because you've got these things like the, the love languages, right? Sure. Which, okay, there's yeah, a yeah. Lot, of, lot of hoopla there. Yeah. However, um, it's, it's somewhat saying something, something similar. And... Um, and, and and ultimately this is way more but I think people understand um, that okay even though I'm trying to communicate something it's it's not communicating that 
and actually what I am doing ultimately is just it's it's just selfish yeah right mm-hmm. it's just selfish mm-hmm. it's like you know I, th- I think as a as a parent I think this happens all the time when um, you know y- your your kids doing something foolish whatever you get upset about it but really you're 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 you know you might think oh I've gotta discipline this or you know gotta show them that was wrong whatever really though nine times out of ten the thing i'm most upset about is how much that inconvenienced me Mm -hmm. (laughs) right so so now what i do is actually flowing out flowing more so out of that selfishness than it is out of love towards them because the thing that i would do if i'm if I'm doing something out of love towards them, mm-hmm. looks way different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> looks way different, right? Absolutely. So, so w- things go really wrong when you are at the center right. of the universe, essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And I think that'll play into something else we're going to talk about here in a second. Actually, we can just go there. So, um, a helpful book that I've recently read on this is by a guy named Jeffrey Myers. Uh, he wrote a book called The Lord's Service. And so that's going to be, it's going to be helpful for our conversation today. Um, a lot of, a lot of, you can just kind of assume a lot of things I'm saying and, and reading here are, are from him or paraphrase from him. And so in this book, he lays out four common popular perspectives on the purpose of Sunday worship. You could say, you could say that this is also kind of right hand in hand with what churches commonly believe is kind of, yeah, well, what's happening in worship but it's kind of another way of saying how do, how, how do we relate to God and what's sort of God's expectation here. Okay. So we can call these the, and this, this will attach onto what you're saying about being at the center of, of your own thing. So uh, we'll call these the four common E's of worship perspectives. So perspective number one is this worship as evangelism. So simply enough, some churches believe that the purpose of a worship service is evangelism this is typical of many independent or community churches, though I will say that this stance and this kind of view has run rampant over the last 20 or 30 years. Um, Jeff says, such a perspective is not entirely new, nor is it entirely wrong. Mm -hmm. There indeed is a proper place for evangelism within worship. It's just not at the center. Mm -hmm. He goes to say evangelism, uh, he goes on to say evangelism is one thing. Worship is another. Worship is something you do before God. God is the object of worship. Evangelism, however, has the man as the object. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, God's people gather for worship on the Lord's day in response to his gracious gifts. God summons his people to make a command performance before him. Unbelievers do not gather for worship. Mm -hmm. In Christ, the saints have sanctuary access. If unbelievers are present, they are nevertheless not the focus of the assembly. Right. So evangelism does take place in the worship gathering. In fact, the gospel is being proclaimed and pre or in in the in, just in the event that the gospel is being preached and proclaimed and it has the power to convert the unbeliever who is hearing. But to make evangelism the center or the aim is to go amiss. So in inside of this evangelism piece is another kind of subset, but it, it, they kind of go together. Uh, he goes on and says, when evangelism becomes the overriding purpose of worship then what is done in the service easily degenerates into a technique for evangelism. Sure. What this means is results. Results become primary. The effectiveness of worship 
or how your grading worship service is now evaluated on the number of visiting unchurched people who may get saved or become regular attenders. This again puts man at the center of the gathering, putting the emphasis on the seeker or the religious consumer. Comfort for the uh, comfort for the individual is elevated to the highest degree, along with amenities that make them feel like they can buy in. This technique-centered approach flies in the face of Scripture. The Apostle Paul clearly did not have the unbeliever's comfort or entertainment in mind. Quite the opposite. In 1 Corinthians 14, the out, he says that the outsider should be convicted, called to account, have the secrets of his or her heart revealed, they should fall to their face, and turn to God. This happens not when worship is directed at the outsider or for them, but towards God when the gospel is proclaimed and not in a way that necessarily suits their fancy. So that's perspective one. Any thoughts on that? Just as I'm talking about that? Yeah, I think, I think um, this is one thing that I think we have since day one um, been pretty... Um, pretty guarded against this this uh, fault yeah um in in some language talking about how like you know the the sunday gathering really isn't the front door of the church no right um so think think even just thinking about that word evangelism that is a that is a right that is a relational word that is a a a a person-to-person type of word right the the, mm-hmm. the 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 other person is the direct op object of this yeah. evangelism um and so already it's like uh, yeah I, that i don't even you know like if we if we actually um uh if we actually look at that uh <laughs> it, it 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 seems um it it's comedy to think that the gathered worship of God is something that we can skew and turn to you people out here. This is, this is for you. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. And I think the way that it, you know, the, I guess the straw man kind of picture of this or not straw man, but the typical picture of this is the church that, um, you know, sees, sees again, they see, they see what's going on is it's like an extension of their outreach program. That's what Sunday worship sure. is. So yeah, there's a bunch of Christians there, but we're really just here for, to see unbelievers get saved or, and, or it's like, there's like this over emphasis on like altar calls mm. and responses mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like people recommitting their faith and 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 it's almost it's almost as if yeah there's christians here but you need to get saved again like that's almost like the weird backhand uh, or the under you know thing that flies under the radar like that's that's the feel of it where it's just constantly coming back to this place of the gospel as just uh initial salvation sure you know yeah yeah. um which which ultimately is is really just skewing the truth because the truth mm -hmm. is that yeah you probably should walk in here feeling like a sinner Um, and like the way that that approach isn't dealing with that sin rightly Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Um, we need to and we and 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 you Christian who are walking in here feeling feeling the weight of that yes we need to speak to that but it's not it's not by saying you know okay run it back (laughs) do Mm -hmm. it again yeah right I think another thing that you know, just to latch this on to what we what we're saying is, it's not until you actually look at it and kind of say it for what it is mm-hmm. 
that you start to see, well, I don't know where we're getting that from the scriptures. Like, right. I don't, I don't, right. It's if we can kind of just sit here and pick it apart pretty easily, we're, it, we wouldn't be able to pick it apart very easily if, if it was super uh, apparent from the scriptures that this is what this is for. Now, again, he says evangelism happens. It's just not at the center. Okay. So we haven't, evangelism isn't there. Evangelism isn't what worship is for. Evangelism isn't the means by which God is primarily relating to us. Okay. So perspective two, not to just pick on the low hanging fruit of the evangelistic churches. So there are some, oh, this is worship as education. There are some who would believe the purpose of worship is simply to communicate truth. These churches deform into lecture halls with congregants rapidly taking notes. And while preaching is definitely primary and necessary in these churches, everything else before or after the sermon is mere fluff or formal necessity. Mm -hmm. Singing isn't thought of as necessary or instructive. It's like the pregame warm-up that may prime the emotions for the main event of preaching. Like what Jeff said, I like what Jeff said, on this, he says, the heavenly hosts are not seated as armies of students armed with notepads and pencils around the throne of the Lamb in mm-hmm. Revelation. Rather, we see them falling down before him who sits on the throne and hear them singing a new song. None of this is to say that teaching has no place in worship, obviously. It's to say that it should also not be what comes to the center when answering the question, what is the purpose mm-hmm. of a Sunday, mm-hmm. of Sunday worship? Yeah. Yeah. So this one stings a little bit, right? Um, you think it does? I mean, maybe. I, I think, I think, <laughs> there's a lot of things I could say. Um, but I, I think this feels, I, I think, especially early on when I started, okay. you know, like coming from a charismatic background or more of kind of like a mainline sure, evangelical background, sure. it feel felt really good to feel sort of like. Uh, superior intellectually mm, mm, in a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes. See, we're not we're not here for emotional feel goods. We are here for the truth. Like, give me the truth. <laughs> you know. And so I think there's a piece of me, not not so much now me, but definitely. Yeah. Okay. This is. It, funny. It's almost a caricature of you know Calvinist or right. Reformed churches. Yeah. Right. So what's funny is this. This is going to be a, a full picture here. So have you ever heard? Um, have you ever heard Jordan Peterson talk about, he uses the, um, he uses the, it's called the big five personality assessment or whatever. It's just another, it's it's another test. It's like an Enneagram type of thing or whatever. So we've got these categories and basically they are, um, they're five categories and it's a scale from zero to a hundred. And so, um, on that scale, wherever you're at so so you could be a a 90 right on one of these things but in a room with a 95 right you're you're looking at them from a certain direction mm. and they're looking at you from a certain direction right so that that makes perfect sense coming coming out of yes you know uh uh all the feels and and coming into even even where we started, yeah. like which you know, I don't think I don't think was really falling into this. No, no, no. But like it it's looking in that direction yeah. where it's like actually a corrective move that needed to be made is in the direction of for sure being more for sure. It's not full tilt, but it's like right. hey, there's right. you know there's something over here, which gets to the point you know kind of. 
okay, if you're trying to wed these things, he's saying it's not evangelism, but mm -hmm. evangelism happens. It's not teaching, but teaching, obviously. Right, right. We're getting closer. Maybe we're getting closer to, to it, but this is still just a piece. Yeah. So what's funny is the only like the only thing that I could really think of that would be like cut and dry with this, I'm, I'm thinking of Jordan Peterson, <laughs> right? Yes. So I'm thinking of, you know, when he teaches the Bible, uh, right? Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's, you know, you want to, sh you want to, Christians should want to reach through the computer screen and shake Jordan Peterson. Right. And say, You're missing the point. Right. You know, like, right. Right. Be, but he's also has a different hermeneutical lenses on. It's like, right. You're psychoanalyzing the Bible. It's like, dude, you're totally missing it. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. but so what's funny is, um, more recently he, you know, he, he's does, <laughs> this is funny. He tours. Yeah. <laughs> right. So he, he does shows or whatever you want to call it. Um, and he, he, you know, is up on stage and he talks or whatever. And I've heard him recently talk about how, um, one of the things that he really wasn't anticipating, but that he has gotten lots of feedback that, Hey, this is like, people want more of this is, um, he has like, he, he used to have a, a small segment towards the end where, um, I don't know if it's like explicit Q and a, or just basically his wife comes out and like, they have some interaction there mm. and that's people's favorite part. Yeah. Right. And like, we want more of this. And he's like, Oh, okay. You know, want, want to see more of this interaction between him and his wife. Right. Mm. Okay. That's, that's a piece. That's an element of this. This pulls away from just intellect. Yeah. Right. Yes. It pulls, yeah. it pulls more flesh onto this. It pulls an emotional element mm -hmm. into this. It pulls mm -hmm. a relational element into this. Like the, the, the whole thing changed now. Yeah. Be because of that and it's it speaks to the human nature mm -hmm. in a in a more full way right and i would assume that that's a little bit more conversational a little more right. playful a right. little a, you you all of a sudden become uh, in a teaching a straight up teaching scenario you have a teacher and you have a classroom mm -hmm. and it's almost as if the classroom the class becomes one unit and then there's a the teacher sure uh, or like one person it's, and it, it's, it's, it's not overly dialogical where we can see another deficiency of this teaching model as primary would sort of do the same thing to a congregation or a mm -hmm. church where it kind of, you're just, you're just here to learn and I'm here to teach. And, and it removes this, um, some of what I think the scriptures would speak to into, you know, even like we're here to admonish one another that yeah. there is there is yeah. there is something happening fundamentally yep. in the body mm -hmm. where we're functioning together doing something that's more than a cognitive intellectual pursuit. So yeah, and and I think it also it also even reduces education. I think it reduces how we learn. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. If 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 education is <laughs> is just the the you know, the positive implanting of, yeah. of information, mm -hmm. like, like we, we, we don't even understand education. Yeah. Right. Education is, is shaping you to love what is good, true and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so if, if that only involves, um, information, like, mm -hmm. no, we're, we're, you, you've completely missed. You can't, you, you actually can't educate well if all we're doing is, is, intellect yeah and i wonder too not to get too sidetracked on this jordan peterson thing i'm wondering too if there's not a unspoken 
okay, you're super s smart and you can talk to me about these things. Let me see your life. And so yeah. Yeah. let me see how you interact with your wife, mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's kind of, that speaks more to, I think what the full, like the fullness of true Christian teaching or a good, a good sermon shouldn't just be, man, I, I filled my notepad up. I got mm -hmm. a lot of information. Can't mm -hmm. wait for the next one. It should be, how did that convict me? How am I going to now by faith, not just take faith in by <laughs> what I believe in my head, but how do I show that I have faith in this by, by working this out into my life? So yep. that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we got two more perspectives here and I think they're good. Uh, perspective three is worship as experience. This approach emphasizes the emotions or the inner experience of the, of the worship worshiper in worship. It places primary focus on the heart response of the individual. What happens on the inside is what matters. Faith is reduced to religious sentimentalism. The person must leave feeling better about themselves and their serotonin levels must mm. have been boosted. This leads to a piece of the untetheredness we've been talking about. Meyer says in modern American church services, uh, edification is cut loose from its doctoral moorings and is blown about by every humanistic trendy, trendy gust of psychological and sociological silliness. It is almost as if the greatest achievement of corporate worship is to engineer within the worshiper some kind of praise-induced emotional or psychological ecstasy. Mm -hmm. He then concludes, worship is evaluated not according to the effect it might have on the worshiper, but whether it is acceptable to God. Mm -hmm. So... Um, <sighs> That's, I'll tell you what, as a worship leader, mm -hmm. um, I do want people's hearts right. and affections to be changed and to be um, affected. And I do feel there can be, um, I can wrongfully assume that God's, if I, if I have that as the highest standard, if I have this inner experience and them leaving with the good feelings or if I have that as a highest standard and I'm not visibly seeing it or I'm not getting the vibe, you know, as somebody who's trying to lead people, um, I can kind of wrongfully see, like, I, I can think that God is the one that's um, giving me that standard. And therefore, as a leader or somebody who's a pastor, if they're trying to do the same thing with a sermon, they if if people weren't emotionally affected or if they couldn't tell they were it's just a horrible goal you know and it's it's a it's a, a tyrannical god and it's and again it puts man at the center mm -hmm. it puts it literally puts the center of man at the center like yeah it puts uh well this sort of view of the heart um this particular view of the heart the affections at the center which are um extremely fickle you know uh, they could be as as fickle as they had one too many cups of coffee or not enough coffee before they came in. Mm -hmm. And so it could, you know, there's a lot of things if, and we're aware of this as leaders, but to put that at the center, I think is almost self-explanatorily uh, ridiculous, but it is a very common perspective. Oh yeah. Um, that I don't think people, I, th I don't think that the common churchgoer knows that that's what they expect, mm -hmm. but I do think that there's a lot of, dare I say mega church mega churches and that kind of thing if I can lump everybody together that are <laughs> acutely aware that that's actually a lot that might actually be a lot easier to appeal to people and and be able to manufacture that than um than they want to admit and so they do that because it because then it goes back to 
that plays really well into the evangel- oh, evangelism sure. piece. Well, we're for really sure. just here to get people to, to Jesus, and we, if, we, if we make them feel good, then they'll get them to Jesus. So it's um, it, these all start to kind of build on top of each other. Well, and then and then if you can figure that out and realize that, okay, you you know, hook them hook them through. Uh, freaking whatever. Yeah. The experience, the feels. Yeah. And then you get this kind of untethered teaching element, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where I've been in churches where we'll come in and we'll sing a bunch of songs that I'm like squirming, be, like theologically at these songs. And then this guy will get up and he'll preach it. He'll pre- he'll preach great, mm-hmm. right? Like proclaim the gospel. This is phenomenal. Yeah. And but now all of a sudden we have this disconnect because okay, you realize if they think we need to experience something. You think we need to educate well. Yeah. But now these things like are, are siloed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm. Um. But it's, oh, interesting! Yeah, it's like it, it's like trying to eat ice cream every night, right? Yeah, like y- you you want to be the fun house and you want to like go after the great experiences. Great, we're gonna eat ice cream. That is gonna last less than a week. Yeah, before it's like only ice cream. Right, <laughs> right. And I think we've talked about this, yeah, before where the the church. This is the the, the church that lives again off experience. Well, yeah, yeah. The first time I had Whitey's was amazing. Mm-hmm. The 15th time I had it, I was still like, okay, it's pretty good. But now I've lived here my whole life and I could really care less about Whitey's. Like yeah. you, you got to do something else for me, you know? Yeah. So that's the way that people can treat the church. You just got to up them. It's like a drug, you know, drug dose. It just, mm-hmm. what got you high the first time isn't going to get you high the 10th time. So um, exhausting. And clearly I have no idea where you would find this sort of... Um, I mean, you could, I think <laughs> there's whole streams of, of denominations of churches that have twisted stuff like Pentecost and, um, you know, these manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we see in the scriptures and they twist it to kind of say, well, that, no, see, we see this in scriptures like, well, I don't think so. Um, and at the very least, it's definitely still not. We haven't found the center yet. Mm-hmm. Something cohesive enough. So last, the last E, the last perspective is worship as exaltation. Now this one, right alongside the teaching one, this one probably caught me off guard, off guard more because this was I might have I might have said some version of this. Okay, so um, and it seems more acceptable in the service. So we gather. This is the church that says we gather to exalt or bring praise to God. This is the church that might call their gatherings celebrations. This perspective is definitely getting closer to the truth, but still not adequate to express the fullness of biblical worship. Jeff says, not only is this super spiritual sounding assertion that we just gather together to give praise to God, taking no interest in what we might get from him unbiblical, Mm. it may easily slip into doxological hubris. The slogan that we gather for worship to give, not to get, simply just makes us feel superior. Mm. As if we don't go to church because we need anything. This kind of thinking is extremely dangerous. Right. He says that there can be no such thing mm. as disinterested praise mm. because we simply cannot love or praise God for who he is apart from what he has given us right. or what we continue to receive from him. I'm going to pause there because there's a lot I want to say about this, 
so even in the title of his book, it's called The Lord's Service. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've given, I want to talk about this when we talk about call to worship, but <laughs> I don't think we think about the fact that God, God is actually, it's not just us serving the Lord. God is actually leading the way in serving us, right. which starts the conversation. So we'll get into that, but this is good. So the notion that pure love and worship of God can only be given when it's unmixed with all thoughts of what we receive has no biblical grounding. It sounds very spiritual and pious. It even comes across as self-denying and humble, but it is merely another form of pride. This exaltation only approach, sorry, this exaltation only approach misses the fact that we are totally dependent beings in constant need of what God gives us. Our worship of God necessarily involves our passive reception of his gifts as well as our active thanksgiving and petitions. Praise comes after our recognition of the fact that we are in need. So praise and exaltation cannot be at the center of the purpose of the worship gathering either. And again, even that one (laughs) counterintuitively puts man at the center. Look what I can do for you, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't need anything from you, God. I am here to praise you. And it's like, it seems so, (laughs) it seems so right, you know? Right. Except from God's perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 I I think, I think that is probably closer to what you are feeling with the education one. Yep. Is like, okay, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. We got this right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. Yes. And look how, I love that. Like, look how much better we are than that church that's just like begging God for stuff and like give me this and give me that and it's like mm, you're just as prideful on the other side right um, so so we've already kind of done the reveal because we kind of got out of order here so if none of those are oh, sure <laughs> it's okay if none of those are the 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 it and that that those are pretty big categories you could probably find more then what is it? What is the approach? What is what is the underpinning? What is the underlying thing that says that can answer the question? How does God relate to us? And what the heck is a Sunday? What is Sunday for? And we've already said it, but it's covenant renewal. Okay, covenant renewal. And I know it doesn't sound flashy, but I promise you, it's awesome. <laughs> so here's where we need to bring back the avocado toast analogy. Covenant renewal does not sound exciting to us. Like the husband who would rather make pancakes for his wife or who really wants who really wants to toast, so we may desire to turn worship into something that suits our desires over what God desires. I know that this can be difficult in our modern age. I have to grapple with this myself, even as a liturgist and a worship leader, because I just don't get to get up and say whatever I want. I don't just get to put whatever words I want in people's mouths, mouths whether that be uh, you know through the songs that we sing or the, the confessions and, and, and all and all of that. Um, me and my preferences cannot be the thing that's primary. It's, it's my job and the elder's job and really the entire church's job to constantly keep the commands and the desires of God at the center of our worship. Any thoughts before moving on? Because I think what we need to deal with first is covenant. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go, go there. Cool. Okay. So let's covenant renewal. Let's, let's talk briefly about what a covenant is. Um, so I'm fond of a popular definition uh, by O. Palmer Robinson that says, a covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. Um, some guy named Michael Gold explained uh, what Robertson was talking about. Oh, that's only half of it. Huh? Oh, wait, go ahead. Sovereignly administered with requisite Regis- blessings and curses. 
Okay, yeah. Well, I, that gets involved in here. Okay. I forgot the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, I didn't miss that, that point in the <laughs> definition. So he says, first, you see a bond that is a relationship that is more than just casual. That right there is already like, right. oh, how do we already treat church so casually, right? Right. Um, so it's a, it's a, a relationship that's more than just casual. It's a, it's a committed relationship. And so in a covenant, God commits himself to his people, but in return, they are to be committed to him as well. It's a bond in blood because sometimes you see in the Bible, covenants are sealed with blood, cere- uh, with a blood ceremony. But what Robertson means more than that is a bond in blood, meaning a life or death bond. That is, the relationship is one that can provide life, but the breaking of that relationship can also result in death. And it's sovereignly administered in that it's not a contract where two equal parties come together and negotiate a relationship. It's not a relationship with two equals, but it's sovereignly administered in that God is the greater. He offers these covenant relationships, and God's people enter into that relationship with him as their sovereign. And then there's <laughs> there's blessings and curses that, right. that always that always come along with that, right. too. Right. Um, so we're saying that... Not, not not even we're saying. The Bible says, the scriptures say that this is the only way, not the primary way, not not the, this is the only way that God relates to, has relationship with human beings. It's the only way that he relates to us and that we relate to him, whether we're aware of that or not, okay? Mm-hmm. That this, this is just what is, right. okay? So, Myers also says that there's no proof text that says that worship is covenant renewal. Like mm-hmm. I can't look that up in John or whatever. But I would also say there's there's technically no proof text that says that God is Trinity either. Mm-hmm. But it's through biblical the- <laughs> biblical or systematic theology we can see and we can pull from all these different texts of Scripture and see clearly mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an irrefutable truth that God is, tr- is Trinity, His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, eternally existing in three persons. So it's the same thing with, with covenant. It's something that you extract from the scriptures. Uh, in the scriptures, God's covenant uh, initiates, um, God's covenantal initiatives normally take the same form, following a similar, similar sequence or related pattern. Moreover, the Bible uses the word covenant over 300 times in both the Old and the New Testament to describe the way that he relates to his people. Cool? <laughs> so Very. Very cool. So at this point, maybe the question is, what does a, this covenant, what does a covenant even look like? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't want to belabor this, but I think there's, this is where my head goes. Okay. If this, if there's, if there's one way that God relates to people, there's, there's also movements of history. And so there's pre, the pre-fall man and pre-fall, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have post-fall mm-hmm. and then we have, right? Some, some Old Testament characters, but then we also have post Christ and post Christ. Mm -hmm. So he's claiming that there's a basic fivefold pattern. There's these, it's a, you'll find these five uh, characteristics in this order in every single covenant Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want, I do, we might be getting in again, into nerd level here, but I think this is important. Um, and it's, it's important to realize, again, this is to see the pattern throughout the Bible of how God relates to human beings, and also that there is a pattern. Right. Um, and there's that pattern is 
is fixed. And so I think mm-hmm. there's something to it that God doesn't want us to miss. Okay. So here's what the, the five things are. First, God does something, uh, do, sorry, God does some form of taking hold. Mm-hmm. Second, God separates and makes something new. Third, God speaks. Fourth, God grants ritual signs and seals. And then fifth, God arranges for the future. So let's analyze that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, let's, let's give some examples. Let's start with that pre-fall, God's covenant with man. So first, Yahweh, which is God's covenant name, he takes hold of the ground. Second, God separates out of the dust to make a new being, breathing his breath of life into man called man. So there we have separation, making new, also something that typically takes place as some sort of renaming. Third, God speaks to Adam, informing him of his gracious arrangement with him. Adam is to heed the instructions of his covenant Lord. Then God gives signs and seals to Adam. Again, covenant arrangements involve tangible signs and seals, promises of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. This is what we see happening in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's a tangible sign and seal of the covenant, its blessings, and its curses. Then God arranges for the continuation and succession of this covenant by giving Adam a wife, Eve, who would ensure the continuation through childbearing. There's those five things, okay? I'm going to keep flying through these. Let's look at the, the marriage covenant between Adam and Eve. God causes Adam to fall into a sleep, and then he takes hold of him, literally takes hold of his side. He separates from Adam's rib and forms something new, Eve, or woman, and he himself becomes something of a new man, even in that. God speaks and tells Adam and Eve what this all means. Men will leave and cleave, and a new family unit will be formed. The sign and seal of this covenant is sexual union between Adam and Eve. And then through this, God makes, again, provisions for covenant continuation or succession through them having children. So this not only perpetuates the marriage covenant, but God's covenant with mankind. Are we fascinated yet? (laughs) What about Noah? Okay. I'm not going to do all the Old Testament characters, I promise. So post-fall. That's all pre-fall. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's, right. Go, let's, let's give a post, post-fall example. So the pattern is the same, but now every post-fall covenant is founded upon vicarious sacrifice. So let's look at the example of Noah or the Noahic covenant. So God, in a sense, takes hold of Noah saying that he, had, he found favor in the eyes of, of Yahweh. Okay. And then God, um, God separates Noah and his family from the rest of the world. The old world dies under the judgment of God while Noah and his family pass through the waters and enter new creation. This is a type of death and resurrection. Then God speaks to Noah and gives him a new world fit for his new situation. Under the Noahic covenant, there are slightly altered new ways of life. New signs and seals of the covenant are given. First, a sacrificial system that involves the use of every clean animal. Uh, this is one of right. This is the vicarious sacrifice. And of course, the rainbow to remind them of God's uh, covenant faithfulness. Then God sets up an arrangement for succession when he promises that he will never again flood the earth and establishes a priestly nation to minister to the world. All right, we could do the same thing with the Abrahamic covenant, with the Davidic covenant. Trust me, they're all the same, okay? I'm not lying to you. It's pretty fascinating. Okay, so now so we got pre-fall, post-fall. Now what about Jesus? What about new new mm-hmm. Testament, new covenant. Here, new. Every time you hear New Testament, hear new covenant. Okay. Right. Um, so first, God takes hold of His creation to do something new. Jesus takes on our flesh in order to faithfully execute the covenant promises. Second, God separates. Jesus and His people, united to Him, die to the old Adamic world and rise again to new, uh, 
as new creations, separating humans from the world and uniting them to Christ. Mm-hmm. This is also a marriage. The husband leaves the family to secure himself a bride. The bride is given the new name of the church, who are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Individuals are given new names in Christ, literally Christians. Jesus is the covenant head and Lord over the church and has instituted government, which represents him on earth, pastors, elders, and deacons. Third, God speaks in his, to his new people through his son. There is now a new way of life in the covenant with God through Christ, the way of love and sacrificial living, all of which is laid out in the, in the new covenant document of the New Testament. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth, this covenant, too, has its own signs and seals. Gone are the circumcision and animal sacrifices, the new signs of the Lord's Supper and baptism. These are now the memorials of God's new covenant. And fifth, provision is made for the succession of this covenant with the sending of the Holy Spirit, ordination of ministers, elders, and deacons, and the church is charged to make disciples by baptizing them and teaching the nations. Solid. I could go on because the fascinating thing, the other fascinating thing is this isn't just true of uh, sort of the mega covenants. This is also true of, I could do the same exact fivefold thing with the Lord's Supper and in baptism. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't know how much time we have. <laughs> right. So, so the, the basically, think about it. God, Jesus takes hold of the bread and wine, <laughs> takes hold of the bread, he breaks it, and then he gives it a new name. He says, this is my body and this is my blood. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. We see this, we, we see this, the same, this same pattern. So, um, God takes hold of a child in baptism or or an adult, right? He separates them from their old way of life. Right. The new sign and seal is now that they can now they can take the Lord's Supper, and then it's their charge to them is either by evangelism or through childbearing to have covenant success, succession. He mm-hmm. says, "Here, your future is bright, and I've made a way for you." Mm-hmm. Right. So the 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 punchline is God has a liturgy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And that's why this is so important. Right. I know it can seem daunting or like it's not, again, not instantly palatable to us, but this is what the scriptures show us about how God relates to us. And that is the answer to the question, what the heck is Sunday? <laughs> if that's true about how this is the only way that I have a relationship with God and this is the pattern of it, it's not, we don't want to put the cart in front of the horse and say, well, and start answering how we do what we do mm-hmm. without the why. Well, why do, why do we, why do you sing the songs you sing? Right. Why do you, why does your church have a certain order to it? Those things need to get, come back and be answered by solid biblical understanding of who God is and what he said and what he's revealed. And what he's revealed to us is he is a covenantal God. And so that has, now we can say, okay, this has implications in terms of how we approach him and, 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 you know, break, break all that down. Yeah. Right. It's, it it now, we have, we have, um, unique access to God, um, through, having his revealed word we have unique access to him now in union with christ we have unique access to him with the indwelling of the holy spirit and not but Mm -hmm. and none of that changes 
anything about how he relates to us. Right. Right. Like, like we, we, it's, it's almost a, we have a privilege to be confused about this. (laughs) Correct. Right. It's, I mean, it's God we're dealing with. Right. And so, man, I'll tell you what though, the more, the more I dive into this and learn about this and it's been an unfolding, like you said, it's been an unfolding process Mm -hmm. of about going on 12 years now. Right at least having this covenant renewal idea buzzing around in my head and studying it. And um, I see more people that are in specifically sort of my job of worship leading in probably one of those kind of churches that it's more even, especially evangelical or any, any one of those, those common perspectives that we looked at. And man, at some point they're just worn out. Right. Because that is, there's so much, novelty Mm -hmm. because you know and this is where we get a lot of like god is the god of like spontaneous and sure yeah um, yeah, yeah, and so and it's like nah like god is always the same you know and it's not boring we make it boring because we don't do this deep dive and say wow like i'm fast i am more fascinated by this pattern of his covenant relationship with people that I would ever be with singing a bridge of a song 10 times. That's supposedly spontaneous, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm being a jerk about it, but it's, 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 I see these guys and I'm like, you're exhausted because you feel like you have to come up like with something else on Easter this year. It's like, what else are you going to do? Like, right. This is the day where you get to really highlight the sacrificial, (laughs) the sacrificial atoning death of Jesus and his resurrection. We do that every single Sunday if you have a covenant renewal, you know, perspective and and then the things that fall out from that. But it's like, why, I see that it's, this is why you need zipline drummers. And this is why, mm-hmm. because you've got, you've grown bored with something that God is very much not bored with. He is not bored with the way that he has set up the universe to work. He's not bored with the way that he has chosen to relate to us and make a way for us. Um, and so, man, I, I think... I, I know it's it's refreshing to me that when I'm feeling like, oh man, are we really like, but it's like, I'm not, it's not, the pressure isn't on me to make somebody feel good or right. to make sure that person gets saved. It's like, it's not even, it's not even on me to make sure that people exalt the Lord. And it's like, I'm here to follow this pattern mm-hmm. that the Bible has set out and God, because he's a covenantal God as we, co- oh, we need to talk about the renewing piece of the, of the covenant. Right. Like God, God didn't break the covenant. We have broken the right. covenant. So <laughs> to come back into right relationship with him, we have to formally come in, do this covenant renewal ceremony, mm-hmm. just as we see a pattern in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And the good news is there is a pattern and there is a ceremony and there is something that he has given us to say, this is who, this is, this is how you can do this. Right. Um, and that's the thing that I, I, I'm reminded every week. It's like, dude, the pressure's off. Like, I'm not looking for you to give people I'm going because I'm a good God. I'm going to give them good feelings because I'm a good God. I am going to save them because I'm a good God. They are going to exalt me and praise me. That is not the point. I am the point, And this process of covenant renewal is the thing that we are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to the renewal piece, but um, <clears throat> the reality is when we, when we rightly take the weight off and rightly understand that it is not up to us to manufacture um, 
anything, quote-unquote, great. We actually do more to rely on the Spirit to do things that only He can do. Yes. And when we're not caught up in and consumed by making sure all the things are right, I mean, you go on the list with any of those, making sure the teaching is, is you know, mm-hmm. phenomenal. You know, making sure the freaking lights and smoke machines are all, you know. Yeah, making sure your space and your people are missional and hospitable. Whatever, and all that. right? You can go down the list there. When, when we're not consumed with that and we're actually present mm-hmm. because the, the weight of what we're doing is, is, is so much lighter because mm-hmm. it's already written. Yeah. We already know the script and we're, we're rehearsing it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We know what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, we're probably more freed up to be sensitive to, oh, the, the Spirit is leading in this way. Absolutely. In here. Right? I, I, I think I have this written down for a different episode, but I was reminded of a C.S. Lewis quote. Uh, he said, I think he was talking about ballroom dancing. And he said something like, as long as you're still um, paying attention to your feet, you're not dancing, you're learning mm, to dance. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. that's what you see. I mean, that's what you see in a lot of modern church environments is like an emphasis on the spontaneous and like how is anybody ever, you know, he says like, you know, get, I, he said, I can pretty much worship, Messias said, I can pretty much worship in any scenario. Just stop changing it on me. You know, because as soon as I, you know, I, I went three Sundays and everything was, okay, I, 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 I get the pattern. I can I can exist here. I can engage with God here because I'm seeing the pattern. As soon as you, but then but then week four, you took the rug out from under me and, and thought that novelty was the point. Right. And it's like, well, now I can't engage because I'm I'm learning to dance again. Yes. The liturgy is just like, yep, here's the dance. Here's the steps. It might it might take you a couple Sundays to to get used to that, but it's not going to change. Um, and so it helps you actually removes the barrier of mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. you know everything you just said. So yeah, yeah, great point. Yeah, and and then and then it becomes more about um, you know is there novelty in in some ways? Yes, but also we we can have um, assurance in the answer is still going to be the same. Right? Yeah. The, the novelty of what you think, you know, these crazy things that life is throwing at you. Yeah. The, the response is going to be the same. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I think if you ask any creative person to like, mm. just to say like that, there's the argument, well, there's no room for creativity. It's like, no, that's actually not true. The most creative people crave a box. Yes. If I tell a graphic designer, oh, I, I want to design for this. Well, the first thing they're going to ask me is probably a list of 10 canned questions. Oh they're like, what's, what's, it's like, otherwise they're going to, it's actually going to be creatively crippling. Right. <laughs> uh, it's the same way. I mean, I've seen a lot of, um, because, because yeah. what, what, here's what's going to happen in that situation. The thing that that person's going to do, if, if anything at all, right? So one option is being completely crippled, like mm-hmm. you're saying, or you're going to get, the the box that they've already had in their head that has nothing to do with yes. you whatever but but they have are like I really want to 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 make this idea happen yeah. and they're just gonna they're just gonna use you as the dummy to do that <laughs> right <laughs> I've totally seen that <laughs> <laughs> oh Kurt Shanehoff if you're listening um uh, that's funny um yeah I mean I I I've, I've seen like 
uh, I think it was Jack White from the White Stripes. Yeah. He used to purposefully um, put barriers on himself. Like he would put the piano yeah. or something on one side of the stage when he knew he only had 10 seconds to go play like an acoustic guitar part, but he would purposely put the acoustic guitar on the other side of the stage to create this like box where he's like, I can't, I can't, I don't want to make this easy on myself. So it's, it's this kind of weird, like out of the box box thing mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm putting, I'm putting uh, barriers on this thing yeah. that are actually leading to this greater amount of creativity that mm-hmm. I have to figure out. So, right. And you know, that's the whole, like the fish in the sea thing, which everybody's uh, heard that analogy where he's just like the fish out of, out of the water, you know, it's like, you can be as creative as you want in the water. And so God has these again, like, um, he has these bounds and he has these, this pattern and there's all sorts of room for creativity, not necessarily doing whatever we want with it. Um, but there is, it actually puts creativity in its rightful, rightful place, even in the context of worship, mm-hmm. because creativity is not the point either. You know, you could go with, you could f- put that as a worship perspective. This is, we're just here to like get really creative and artsy and, you know, be hippy dippy for Jesus. It's like, no, that's not the point either. Right. So, all of those things have a place. Creativity has a, has a place, but it's not the point. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I hope that made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- cause I think it is super important. Like, uh, I don't know if you said this, but we do want to have now have finally get to a series of conversations around, uh, a robust, what we, what we see as a robust, um, and ordered liturgy that is, not only what our our church practices, but what has been historically practiced throughout the church, obviously contextualized over the over the years and the centuries, um, but that has been uh, proven to um, kind of model this covenant uh, renewal, and you'll you'll see how these things map onto each other, um, and how it's been God glorifying. And uh, so we're gonna we're literally gonna take each each and every part of the liturgy as as much as we can, and just hone in on uh, hone in on each piece. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's basically a systematic 